Welcome, good morning. Let us stand together, hear from God's word together. Psalm 96 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Well, church, this is our story. That our God is great. He is greatly to be praised. And he has worked a great salvation for us through Jesus. That is our assurance as well. Not our work, but his. Not our blood, but his in Jesus. So let us rejoice in our great Savior today. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine.
Welcome to this gathering of Desert Springs Church. If you are visiting with us or if you're new, you consider yourself new to our church, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us if you're, if you're watching and you're new. You can email or you can email if you're here as well. Info at dscabq.com. And if you're here today, after the service in the courtyard, we'll have a minister out there that would love to uh, meet you, talk to you, answer questions you might have about our church. So Welcome. Ryan Kelly, who is our pastor for preaching and teaching, has officially ended his writing sabbatical uh, over the last several weeks. He's been working on, a, on editing a rather large academic work and was scheduled to be back in his regular preaching role today. But due to a, what we're calling a non-COVID illness, um, the elders have decided to keep Ryan sidelined for the next six weeks. Um, we won't go into details today, but the illness is serious. And it is somewhat mysterious to Ryan and the doctors. Six weeks is a bit arbitrary, but we want Ryan to have plenty of time to rest and recover before we place on him the demands of preaching again. So let's pray. Let's pray for Ryan. Let's pray for uh, healing. Let's pray for wisdom. Pray for strength for Sarah and doctors and care for our brother and our pastor. Um, and let's, uh, yeah, let's pray for our church, pray for unity and peace in our body as other men will be filling the pulpit for these next six weeks. And because of all that, today we have the privilege of hearing our youth and minister, our youth and families minister, uh, Caleb Batchelor, who will be preaching for us today. Caleb and his wife Leah and baby Jane have been here since February, and they've been working hard to build up and encourage our youth and families uh, particularly in these odd days. So let's be praying for Caleb as well, as he will come and, and bring God's word to bear uh, for us uh, later in our service. So let's pray together. God and Father and creator of all things, you made us and we are yours. We submit to you our frailty. You know our weakness and you care for us in ways we can't even understand. We ask now that you would care for our brother and Pastor Ryan, care for his body, heal it, care for his soul, comfort it. Be near to him and his family and our church family in these trying days. You who hold the stars, you know the number of hairs on our heads and the number of beats in our hearts. May they beat for your praise and your glory. Now as we pray, as we consider these songs, as we hear your word together, do this to build up your body and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand again and hear from 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, 
and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Oh, what hope we have in our God, God who created all things, controls all things, and causes all things for our good. Consider these words. God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Judge not the
is our song to remember. What a mysterious and glorious song that the God of the universe would send a Savior to us. Let us hide in this truth today. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flow. All your sin, the double cure. Save from wrath and make me Springs. So good to see you. It's so good to be with you. It's so good to worship together. My name is Sandy Beauchamp. I'm one of the non-staff elders here at DSC. When we sing these lyrics, we long for our ultimate citizenship, don't we? We long to be in glory, but there's this tension that still remains. 
that we still have to continue on this earth. I'm reminded of this great passage in Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. Let's pray together and seek that heart of wisdom. Holy and gracious Lord, Father, we feel the weight of the fallenness of this world. We lament the evil, the sin, the suffering, the sorrow, the disease. We witness and feel the effects of this fallen and groaning world. There are many of us this morning that are in the midst of much pain and distress and heartache, and yet, and yet we do not suffer without hope or reason. Jesus, you said that in this world we will have suffering and tribulation, but you also encourage us to take heart because you have overcome the world. Thank you that you run to us with great compassion in the midst of our distress and suffering. Father, you have commanded us to approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. Oh, let us drink deeply from the well of your atoning work. Satisfy us in a way this world can never satisfy. Give us a right understanding of your unshakable and fierce devotion and love to us. Thank you, Jesus, for sweeping us into your tender embrace. What a comfort that is. You promise that you will give us rest because you're gentle and lowly in heart. You say that your yoke is easy and your burden is, is light. You say that you joyously, you joyously endured the cross and suffered opposition from sinners just like us. Why? You did this so that we will not grow weary. We will not lose heart. You are our true hope. Help us to hold fast to you, Father. One day, one glorious day, we will see you in glory and in, in magnificence. And the sin and the suffering of this earth will be no more. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying, no more pain. And you will wipe away every tear. And until that fine day, let us run with perseverance the race that you have for us. Help us to fix our eyes on you, Jesus because you truly are the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Help us to live life with an open hand, to trust that what you add and what you take away is for our ultimate good, so that we may be, as James describes, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Father, be glorified this morning as we yearn for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us stand. May this song give us words for our suffering and words for our hope in our Savior as we lift our hands together.
start to crash and roar They push me to my father's shore When the arrows pierce And my flesh has failed
death seems to win We rise, we sing, my Savior Like Drew said, my name is Caleb Batchelor. I'm the youth and families minister here at the church. Before we get into our text this morning, I just want to say first, thank you. Thank you for how you have welcomed my family and I to this church. You know, I think it's fair to say it's an interesting time to move your family cross country six weeks before COVID hit. But I can honestly say that we love it here. And I think a major reason why is because how you all have cared for us. As I just see some of the faces in this room this morning, I am so grateful to have the privilege to serve this church. So thank you. Thank you for loving us so well. We're going to be in the first chapter of Job this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the first chapter of Job. And there really aren't many more dramatic chapters in the Bible than the first chapter of Job. Right out of the gate, we're introduced to this rancher from us named Job. Now, Job is loaded. He's a billionaire livestock tycoon. And if you were going through the checkout line of the local Uz Sprouts, you'd see Job's face on the cover of Forbes magazine. But Job is not only rich, he's also godly. Job is the man. Job probably is on the board of all the local nonprofits. He probably plays in all the charity golf tournaments. In the first five verses of Job chapter one, Job is cruising. Everyone wants to be Job. And then verse six happens. God and Satan have this conversation about Job. And the question on the table is this. Why does Job love God? Does Job love God because of who God is or because of what God has given him? What does Job love more, God or stuff? That's the question. Satan thinks the answer is pretty obvious. You take away Job's stuff, 
and he'll leave the faith. He'll curse God. Simple as that. Well, God allows Satan to test out this theory and Satan comes at Job's wealth from all fronts. Job will lose his oxen, his donkeys, his camels, his servants, even his children. And with everything that happens in the first 19 verses, I actually think the last three verses are the most shocking. Our text this morning is Job 1, 20 through 22. Job 1, 20 through 22. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Father, we need you here this morning. We need your grace. We are not interested in just simply another intellectual exercise. We are not here for just another emotional pick-me-up. Father, we are here to see your glory. And Father, there is nothing that I can do in these next few minutes to produce that. It will be totally because of your grace, totally because of your power. So we look to you this morning. Work mightily in this place. And Father, you love to answer these prayers. So we look expectantly. We are ready for you to come. We are ready for you to do a work here that we cannot explain in our own wisdom. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. I think the main idea of the text this morning is this. In suffering, the river of lament empties into the ocean of praise. Again, I think the main idea of the text this morning and of the sermon is this. In suffering, the river of lament empties into the ocean of praise. We'll break this main idea down into its two points. The river of lament and the ocean of praise. We love verse 21, don't we? And we should. We need verse 21. But we also need verses 20 and 22. For some of you here this morning, the truths in these verses will be the most important things you hear this morning. Look at verse 20 with me. What does Job do before he blesses God? He tears his robe and shaves his head. Job grieves. He cries before he praises We often forget about verse 20 when we think about the story of Job. We move from verse 19 to verse 21. We think of Job as collected, determined, 
Maybe his face against the wind, maybe a wad of tobacco underneath his lip, spitting in Satan's face. You can do whatever you want, Satan. I won't curse God. I'm a man of God. I'm a Jesus freak. But this profoundly misrepresents the story, and it profoundly changes the meaning of verse 21. The truths of verse 21 are drenched with the tears of verse 20. If you miss this, you will miss the meaning of verse 21, and you will miss out on the blessings of lament. Lament is not a word we use that often, do we? We don't just throw that word around. But I would love it if that word was in our church's vocabulary. So can I recommend a book to you? Buy this book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. It's written by a pastor in Indianapolis. His name is Mark Vergop. And I love his definition of lament. Listen to this. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. That's good. I'll say it again so you can write it down. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. Later on in the book, he says, this is where biblical lament is transformative. It not only gives voice to the pain you feel, but it also anchors your heart to truths you you believe or are trying to believe when dark clouds linger. We need both. We need theology. And we're about to get rock-solid, soul-stabilizing theology in verse 21. But we also need to grieve. And we get that right here in verse 20. And verse 22 says, in all of this, Job did not sin. Do you know it is not sinful to cry? It is not sinful to mourn. One third of the book of Psalms is actually written in the minor key. One third of Israel's hymn book has notes of sorrow. Psalms does tell Israel to clap but it also tells Israel to lament. There's a whole book of the Bible dedicated to lament, the book of Lamentations. Get this today. Get this. Grieving is not what immature Christians do. Grieving is what mature Christians do. Mourning is not only acceptable As we see in our text this morning, it is a necessary response to suffering. Job's grief is what prepares him to bless God. Do you see this? Do you see the connection between verse 20 and verse 21? This pattern of sorrow leading to praise is seen throughout scripture. David laments, Oh my God, 
I cry to you by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Before he proclaims, yet you are holy and throned on the praises of Israel. Consider our Savior on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Proceeds into your hands, I commit my spirit. In suffering, mourning is the conduit that carries us to praise. In suffering, lament is the river that empties into the ocean of praise. I wonder, do we praise God so infrequently because we mourn so rarely? I wonder, are we missing out on the ocean of praise because we simply refuse to enter the river of lament? Jesus went to Lazarus' tomb with all the answers. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So then why did Jesus cry? He saw the ocean of praise. So why did he decide to enter the river of lament? I think the answer is actually really straightforward. Jesus hates suffering. He hates it. So when he goes to Lazarus' tomb and he sees the devastating effects of sin, he weeps. And brothers and sisters, Jesus did not change when he went to heaven. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hates to see you suffer. Absolutely hates it. You may be deep in the river of lament this morning, but you are not alone. Jesus is with you. He knows. And he cares. Well, Job doesn't miss out on the ocean of praise, does he? He finds his way from verse 20 to verse 21. But I have to admit Job's response to suffering is a bit odd. In his darkest hour, what does he consider? His own nakedness. I'll just be honest with you, that's not where my mind would have gone. When I am suffering and seeking to trust the Lord, I have never thought, now Caleb, remember, you were born with no clothes on. Oh, and when you die, you will die naked. That's just not my first thought. What is Job getting at here? What does he mean when he says, naked I came from my mother's womb? I think what Job is saying is essentially this. I came into the world with nothing, so I am entitled to nothing. And when he says, naked shall I return, he is just recognizing that no matter how wealthy he becomes, everything he has is a gift from God. This is not as if Job 
was at the bottom and he climbed his way to the top. This is not a rags to riches story. Job's riches are ultimately God's riches. So God is not stealing from Job when he takes away. They've been God's all along. Job remembers that he is undeserving and his grief leads to praise. Job recognizes that there is a distinction between the creator and the creature. And he is not the creator. God is. The river of lament has carried him to the ocean of the creator's glory and he praises God. If you want to grieve well, remember, you are the creature and God is the creator. Remember, you deserve no blessings from God. And because we deserve no blessings from God, God deserves all worship from us, whether he gives or takes away. All worship, whether he gives or takes away. What does this look like, though? What does this look like practically? How do we worship God when he gives? I actually think this would be a great question for your community groups this week. But here are two. Number one, savor. Savor what God has given you. Brothers and sisters, we have been given so much. Just look around this room. Look at your brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at the church God has given you. I'm so glad we're at this church. A couple months ago, Lee and I were on a hike and I asked her, what are 10 ways that you see God's grace in this church? What an encouraging conversation. If you wanna be encouraged this week, ask that question. You don't have to list 10 things, but do ask each other that question. Where do you see God pouring out blessings on this church? I'll tell you one thing you can praise God for. You can praise God for the ministry of Ryan Kelly. So we feel the loss of him not preaching this morning. Praise God for his regular and faithful preaching ministry at this church. We don't deserve to be members of Desert Springs Church. And we don't deserve to sing. We are petitioning the governor to allow us to sing. We think that's a fair and respectful request. But don't mistake this petition for entitlement. We do not deserve to sing. We do not deserve that blessing. And please, please don't miss out on the gift of this church because you're just waiting for another gift you don't deserve. Savor this church. Savor what God has given you. Secondly, steward. 
Steward what God has given you for his glory. John Piper has helped us here, hasn't he? Does the way you spend your money show the world that money is not your treasure? God is. I know things are difficult right now financially. And I don't want to bind anyone's conscience here. But last week, our church received an incredible amount of support. It was absolutely unbelievable. It honestly reminded me of the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians 8. Why don't you just go over there real quick? Let's just read the first four verses of 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. What would it be like if this happened in our church? Just dream with me for a second. What would it be like if in a severe test of affliction, we joyfully beg to give beyond our means for the sake of our friends in Guatemala, for the work in North Africa, Dream with me, what would it be like if this happened in our church, if in a severe test of affliction, we joyfully gave beyond our means to be able to equip the saints here for the work of the ministry? If in a severe test of affliction, we joyfully beg to give beyond our means to spread God's glory broader and deeper, what would that be like? Let's steward our resources for his glory. What do we do when God takes away? What do we do then? 2020 has been hard. But I know for some of you, a global pandemic has not been the hardest thing. For some of you, All you want is for the anxiety to go away. For some of you, all you want is for the depression to lift. For some of you, all you want is for your son to believe the gospel. For some of you, all you want is for your marriage to be back together. For some of you, all you want is for your spouse's chronic pain to go away. What do we do then? How do we connect all this pain to all of God's promises? Here are just a couple. Here are a couple ways. Number one, study. Study the Psalms. You know, sometimes the words are just not there. For whatever reason, you just don't know the words to pray. That's all right. 
You can go to the Psalms. You can go to Psalm 13. You can pray, how long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. You can pray that. You can pray Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You can pray those words. Study, study the Psalms. Lastly, share. Share how God has taken away from you. Some of you have graciously come to youth group and shared with the students how God has taken away. Thank you for doing that. And I should just say, if any of you all are interested in giving your testimony at youth group, we would love to have you. But I also know for some of you, that's just too much. You can only share with one or two trusted brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't want to let you know that's okay. But I would encourage you to share. We are all hurting. Some of us more than others, but we are all hurting. So if we go through this week and act like nothing is going wrong, that's not real. That's not genuine. Covering up your sorrow is like wearing a toupee. You may be able to fool others if it's a nice wig, but whether you have a $100 toupee or a Dollar General toupee, it's still a toupee. Let's take the wigs off. Let's share how God has taken away. But as you share with others, know this. Community is a blessing, but it is insufficient. We need a better comforter. And we have one in the person of Christ. Robed in majesty, the eternal son took on flesh. In the cradle and at the cross, Jesus was naked so that he could clothe us with his righteousness. We did not deserve that. We sinned against him. We deserve death and hell. But God has sent his only begotten son 
to die on the cross for our sins, to raise from the dead to give us life. He can truly identify with your loss today. You can go to him with your grief and that is a blessing that will never be taken away. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I want you to consider something. This is the God you are rejecting. This God. The God who has come to identify with you in your loss. The God who has come to save you from your sin. Why do you keep rejecting him? Why? What reasons? Repent and believe the gospel today. You can do it today. You don't have to wait any longer. Turn to Jesus. Who else will cry with you and also has the power to wipe away every tear? Who else can identify with you in your pain but also has the power to bandage every wound? Who else will love you like Jesus? Jesus was stripped on the cross, but he did not stay like that. No, three days later, he rose from the grave and he is now seated next to his father, clothed with glory and majesty. Brothers and sisters, unless Jesus comes back, you and I will be put in the grave too. But we will not stay like that. No, if you are united to Christ, and there are so many reasons to believe that you are, you too will rise from that grave when Jesus returns. You will be clothed with a body like his, and you will see him face to face. We will see him. We will see him face to face. One day the river of lament will empty out into an ocean of eternal praise and we will glorify God forever. And we will no longer have to say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But only the Lord gives, the Lord gives, the Lord gives, the Lord gives, the Lord gives. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's bless his name now in prayer. Father, we still need you. Father, this church needs you. We ask that you take your word and you multiply its effects right now. Father, there are some here that are just starting off in the river of lament. They're just making their way down the river. Father, there are others here who have been in the river for a long time. And they are just now seeing the ocean of praise. But Father, for everyone, for every one of your children, we know this. You are faithful and you will take us all the way home. 
Father, remind us of that today. Remind my brothers and sisters in Christ of that today. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Let us stand and respond. Consider our hope in Christ. What is our home in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence? That our souls to Him belong. Who holds our days within His hands? What comes apart from His command? And what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we sin. Sing.
confess Christ our hope in life and death. If you would confess that, say amen. Amen. Well, the New City Catechism has that as their first question. What is our only hope in life and death? And the longer answer is that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, if you belong to Jesus, then you belong to the church, the capital C church. But you may not belong to a local church, and, and we would encourage you to do that. And one of our ways of doing that is through our class that's coming up this Friday and Saturday. You can sign up online, join that class, and consider joining Desert Springs Church as your church, as your body. And continue to pray. As Caleb mentioned, we petitioned the governor. We sent her a letter this past week. Uh, she should consider that this week, and we'll hopefully hear back soon. So be praying. Be praying for her that she would uh, show us favor and be, uh, we think, reasonable under these current circumstances. And pray for those around her, her team, and even members of our church who were uh, influential in the governor's life. So pray for that. Let's continue to pray for Ryan and his health as he, uh, as he takes his break and rest and recovery. I'll leave you with this from Romans 15 as we go. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.